dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. When it comes to leadership, few apostles could ever match the leadership of St. Paul. Where do we see that leadership? In his actions, obviously, in his choices, but nowhere more clearly than when he shows his heart in his speeches. I'd like to begin this first of four treatments of the speeches of St. Paul and the Acts of the Apostles, speeches that give us a window into the heart of his leadership. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of what we're trying to do here. I want to really go to something that's at the heart of studying St. Paul. Uh, when you look at his life, there's just so many commentaries out there, so many thoughts from great theologians, but few I found that really try to penetrate into the heart of St. Paul the man given this mission by Christ that was seemingly impossible. I mean, take the gospel towards the Gentiles. Now, it, it sounds kind of like anodyne, but actually taking the gospel towards the Gentiles meant, but St. Paul, I want you to innovate something that's never been done in the history of my church. I want you to do it alone, and I want you to figure out the way without any pathway given by any kind of mentor outside of you. <laughs> I want you, in other words, to be a leader and to lead a future for where the church doesn't even see that it's going to go. Remember what happens in Acts chapter 10, St. Peter converts Cornelius. And that's always very important to underscore. The first Gentile convert wasn't made by St. Paul. It was made by St. Peter. Cornelius was first baptized by the Pope. And it was Peter's foundational decision to open then the floodgates of the church to this the influx of Gentiles that allowed Cornelius and then all the Gentiles to follow in his footsteps. So St. Peter, in a very real way, became the foundation of St. Paul's ministry. People get this wrong all the time. They say, oh, Peter was the Jews, Paul was the Gentiles. But Peter's foundation was the first, under the motion of the Holy Spirit, thanks to St. Peter, the Gentiles entered the church, and then he sent St. Paul to complete that mission while he had to remain with the other apostles at the service of the church there in Jerusalem. And St. Paul was sent into the world, but alone. I mean, he had Timothy with him. He had Titus on his second missionary journey. On his first missionary journey, he had Barnabas and John Mark, maybe Luke. But all of them turned to him for, to provide the leadership, to know how to plant the church amongst these various cultures and situations, how to go about that first proclamation of the gospel and all of the obstacles that came his way. And his very first missionary journey, St. Paul gets kicked out of a town and then stoned. It happens at Lystra and Derby, And I'm sure you're aware of this. The, 
the crowd goes from worshiping Paul, calling him uh, Hermes and calling Barnabas Zeus, and to actually stoning them in a violent uprising at the instigation of the, the non-believing Jews in that area. And so at that moment, Paul's very first missionary journey finishes with what could be very well his death. I mean, he was stoned. You don't get stoned halfway. He gets stoned unto death. So did Paul die or not? It's kind of ambiguous. But in any case, he got up again, goes back to Jerusalem, and, that's, and then turns back on his second missionary journey and goes right back to the very city he was stoned the first time. Paul faces the conflict, faces all kinds of intrigue, politics, divisions, violence, stonings, beatings, imprisonments. And he has to do all of this while he's trying to do something no one has done before. This is what makes Paul such an incredible leader. He was a visionary leader following Christ into the future of the community that was entrusted to him. He was pushing the envelope and he was met with misunderstanding not only by the unbelievers, but also by those converts who had already come from Judaism and were his brethren both in Judaism and in the Lord who didn't understand the decisions that he made and the way that he went about it. And yet all of this was sanctioned by Christ who encouraged him, picked him up, and kept him going down the road. I really want us to learn his spirit because each one of us today has a similar situation. Not only does our church oftentimes find herself lacking innovation, new thinking, an ability to speak to modernity. Sometimes it's just quite plain pessimistic about the opportunity for the modern world to come to Christ. Is that pessimism founded in the resurrection and, and in Pentecost? I would like to think not. Now, at the same time, we're, we're not just confronted by that, but even in a societal way, you know, where's our innovation? Where's our positive thinking? Where's the spirit of the entrepreneur willing to dare something great to improve our world? Look at the world of politics. You can look around yourselves today and see the same challenge that St. Paul faced when he looked out at a world that didn't have Gentile converts and didn't know Christ Jesus, and yet he went into it bravely, bringing the gospel in innovative ways. The gospel's always required innovation, but it's not just the church. You know, our world today looks for leadership, and leadership is an opportunity that's in front of each one of you in a million different ways. I'm here to claim it in the name of Christ and encourage you to follow him. And that's why I think it's so great to be able to look at where St. Paul's heart is really shown. So again, you can see his actions, you can see his travels, you can see all that he did, you can see his imprisonment, his sufferings, his trials. But I think you say best who St. Paul is when you see his heart in his speeches. And so I want to take a look at four of the best ones with you and just go to the heart of the hearts. And I want to start with his speech that he gave to the elders of the church in Ephesus. So open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 20. And let's take a look here at how Paul frames his vision for what it looks like to lead in Christ. 
Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, everybody. So we're looking here at Acts chapter 20. Go ahead and open your Bibles. I want to begin here with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord, amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, so in Acts chapter 20, you have one of the most moving speeches in St. Paul's life. It's the speech that he gives to the elders of the church in Ephesus. And I love this speech because you really see in it the mature St. Paul, having been seasoned by many sufferings, many travels, many journeys, now handing on the spirit that is within him to these men who have been raised up by Paul and formed by Paul for the service of Christ's church. So here you have, as it were, the, the friend of the bridegroom, handing over the bride of Christ, the church, to other friends of Christ and leaving them with the charge to care for her as he did. So you have here a word where St. Paul is addressing himself as a leader to the leaders who are following after him. And so it's, a, it's an incredible speech uh, because it's also at the end of Paul's life. He's not going to see them again. And their hearts are filled with sorrow at this prospect. But there's so many remarkable things. Let's just dive into the word here together. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 17. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So he begins this speech, this is, verses, this is Acts 20, verses 17 through 24. 
he begins this speech by putting in front of them his mission. I think this is an incredible testimony that the, this saint leader, St. Paul, led having his vision, his mission, always in front of him. He didn't get distracted. He didn't get distracted from the things he could have gained. He didn't get distraction, distracted by the thousands of relationships that he had to build. He didn't get distracted from the, the sufferings that he went through or the trials, as he says here, right there in verse 19, the tears, the trials, the, humili the humiliations that have happened to him. None of the baggage of the past distracted him. None of the richness of the present distracted him. None of the successes or the failures distracted him. St. Paul had one singular mission, and he gives it to us, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. At the heart of everything he did, at the heart of all of his struggles, there was something motivating him, pulling him forward. And it was that he wanted the world to know that the good news of the death of Christ for sinners. It was that conversion way back on the road to Damascus that was with him the whole time and that was pushing him forward. And St. Paul allowed that to be so strong in him that he could even say he was constrained or in Greek it's to be bound up. He's bound by the Spirit to go forward into a place where he knows he's going to suffer where he's going to be humiliated. He's going to Jerusalem, even in the midst of the trials that that's going to represent to him, because there's something inside of him pushing him. And Paul allows that mission to move him from town to town and relationship to relationship without getting bogged down. I think it's neat because fundamentally, it means that Paul is not doing his leadership for himself. Paul is doing his leadership for the sake of the one who sent him. He's in love, and that's why he leads. I, I, I think it's so applicable for our lives because a lot of us began our life of leadership with a spirit of service. We began our lives of leadership thinking that it was for the others, and we were motivated by the great changes that we could make, the great, you know, enthusiasms. We could rile up the difference that we could change in the world, and Little by little, with age, with time, it's so hard to keep that flame alive. And we could very well make of our leadership just a new spot of comfort and believe those who tell us, oh, you're leading because your personality couldn't do otherwise. You know, it's just how God made you, whatever. And, and my friends, that's not, that might be part of why you're a leader, but that's not why you stay a leader. And if you, it's not certainly not why you stay a good leader. The fact that you have a personality for leadership is a fine thing, but that doesn't explain why you continue to innovate, continue to strive forward, continue to believe. If you're a true leader, a, well, a leader that makes a difference in the world leads with that deep, profound motivation always in front of him. I am someone who is willing to sacrifice for the sake of what I see, what I know inside, for the sake of what I love. And that love motivates from in front of us and it pulls everything inside of us to keep going forward in the night when we don't see and we don't feel. 
And here's St. Paul telling the leaders of this church, I have a love, everyone. I have something that keeps me going and that explains why I came here and that explains why I'm leaving here. And that is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It's just an incredible secret. And I want to challenge you in your families, in your marriages, in your jobs. Does your secret inhabit your heart? Is there not this drive, this thirst inside of you? Can you name it? Can you lay hold of it? Remember the first time that you met Christ? For those of you who are involved in church ministry, do you remember that? Do you still have it? That thirst for heaven? The knowledge of who he is to you, his love for you? Do you still have that, that motivation? And dare you touch it? Because if you do, well, like St. Paul, you never stop going forward. He continues, verse 25, And now behold, I know that none among you whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It's a very moving sentence here, a very moving statement from St. Paul. As he bears witness to them, I testify to you that it is up to you now. You are innocent. I'm innocent of your blood. Paul's bearing witness to them that in the heart and in the heat of all the relationships that he built with them, there was the presence of another whom he was serving. This is such great humility because in their eyes, St. Paul is their father. In, in their eyes, St. Paul is, is Jesus. I mean, in the flesh, he's not Jesus, but like he's the power, the presence. He's, he's able, to, it's almost like they could hang on to him and know that they would be staying close to Christ. And yet Paul is leaving them. Why? Because he's incredibly humble. And in his great humility, he reminds them that it's not about him. It's about the one who sent him. And he bears witness to them that in fact, he has accomplished the task of the one who sent him. He has borne witness to the grace of the gospel of Christ. And now it's up to them. This Humility, I think, is the second admirable attribute of St. Paul's leadership and one that we can certainly imitate as well. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Paul goes on. We're looking here at Acts chapter 20, verse 29. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What's Paul talking about here? This is in Acts 20, when he's talking to the church in Ephesus. Remember that he's talking to them 
as a man who spent three years in their midst. Three years. He spoke openly every day in the school there. Uh, he would preach from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. And it said all of Asia would come to hear him. St. Paul took the time to not only speak in public, but he would go to people's houses, house to house. These were people that whom for three years he ministered to with miraculous signs. You can remember it says his own hands worked these signs. And then people were even touching articles of clothing to him or aprons. And they would go and then touch them to the sick and the sick would get well. It was such a, a, a resounding victory that at one point St. Paul had in Acts 19 the, the sorcerers and magicians coming divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. I looked up what that, what that could be. That's approximately $850,000 of books that were burned at the feet of St. Paul as he converted them from sorcery and magic. This is such an incredible place of victory for Paul. And, and, and he reminds them of what he was doing. He was giving them a deeper victory. He wasn't focused just on those types of wonderful things that were still done in a way that was visible. He wanted them to turn their hearts to heaven. And here's an incredible lesson for us in our leadership. If you're a soccer coach, a football coach, a teacher, you're working as a doctor, wherever it is that you're working in the world right now, whatever your profession, remember this, it's a chance to leave a deeper legacy. The, the, all the changes that we're going to make to this world, they will, they will fade away. We can't leave anything that's going to be permanent. And even if you succeeded in building the biggest building that was never destroyed until the end of time, at the end of time, it's going to be destroyed. <laughs> so it's like vanity of vanities, you know. We're playing in the sandbox, you know, of this world. And so, I mean, like, it's a wonderful thing. We need to be able to do it and do it well. It, it has value for this life. And this life has value in the eyes of God. But the reason it has value in this life and the reason this life has value in the eyes of God is because it's a reminder and a presence already in an evocative sense of something even greater, of the life that is to come. And all that I do to push this world forward, I do it to remind this world that its ultimate consummation is coming in God and in heaven. And that these great things and achievements of this world just reflect the deep achievement of my soul, of my knowledge, of my will, of my heart, of my virtues, of my character. These are the things that really last. These are the things that, that the practice of my profession enables me to grow and to develop, but never replace. The real end goal of all that I do on this earth is the development of the knowledge and understanding of God. And Paul reminds them of this. Hey, I did these things in your midst. I was with you, but I was there remembering to point you to Christ and to heaven. And, and in the same way, in analogous fashion, our leadership here on this earth, we have to remember as, as, as important as it is to nail it here below, let's never forget that the deeper lessons that we leave are the reasons why we do the rest. What are those deeper lessons for you? 
You know, the heart of St. Paul as he leaves them, he's like, don't forget why I did all of this. And that was to give you that inheritance that's laid up for you. Don't forget the reason why, the deep reasons. And I want you to do the same. And so then Paul continues. And he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's verse 32. And then finally, verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to all who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Such an incredible scene. Because here you have the great leader, St. Paul, actually leaving those behind whom he had founded. It's an incredible lesson for us in our leadership, you know, because so many times we think that our leadership is all about us and it's about us expanding what we give. And it's for the sake of them, of course. But like in the end, we're really happy that everyone looks up to us, you know? I mean, it's a great thing to finally be a leader. You worked, you went to West Point, then you went into the federal yeah, law enforcement, you had a great career, and then after that, you went on to become the manager of some sort of football team, and everywhere you go, people want you on boards, and they want you to be their marketing agents, and I mean, this is a great thing, and you say, you know what, that's really what it's all about, I finally am a great man. Everybody looks up to me, finally, you know, even my kids wish me well, and just like Job with his beautiful daughters and his amazing kids, you know, your life is just absolutely, stu you know, stupendous. But I want to remind you that's not what it's all about. There is something even greater for you, even something greater for, for any leader. And that is the one whom he serves by his leadership. Paul's able to leave them all behind, these people that he loves, for the sake of Christ who's calling him to that crown of righteousness that's laid up for him, to that relationship with him in the bosom of the Father. And Paul's greatest act of leadership is to disappear into the king of kings. Paul's not leading for his own sake and for his own glory. He's leading as an act of service to the one who sent him. And what a legacy you and I can have when we do the same and apply ourselves to this world and its leadership with all of our passion because of the love and the humility for the one whom we serve. Blessed be his name forever. Amen. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.